Hello, welcome to The Freedom Factor, a podcast dedicated to exploring freedom and truth. From medical freedom, to freedom of speech and movement, to religious and spiritual freedom. In a time when our freedoms are being threatened at every turn, many of us are forming a collective space where we can share truth and knowledge without the fear of being canceled or censored. Fortunately, as we've seen throughout history, there are those brave souls who dare to speak out and stand against the tyranny that is threatening to overtake all of us. You will meet some of those brave souls here on The Freedom Factor. I'm your host, Oliver Bardwell. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, Iowans for Freedom. Yesterday, we had a lot going on in Iowa at the Capitol. We had a um, special session, and the House and Senate passed a bill for vaccine issues and vaccine mandates. We had a rally. We've been pressuring our representatives for months now to do something. We've had an epidemic of jobs lost and people being coerced. And I thought that it'd be nice to kind of decompress what happened yesterday. And we have the best guy to do it here right with us today, Senator Jim Carlin. So Senator Jim Carlin, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thanks for having me, Oliver. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. So yesterday was quite a deal. I I know it was a long day for you, but we had, I think, four or 500 people there supporting you guys, all our freedom fighting representatives. And you spoke a little bit. I know it. I think at 8 p.m. you received a bill that you had to review and decide if you wanted to support yesterday. And can you tell us about that? Well, yeah. No, it, it, uh, about a month ago, we had a conversation with my fellow, with my colleagues about what recourse do we have when the federal government policy-wise is mandating these vaccinations? What, what can we do for them? They're being fired summarily by refusing the vaccination uh, they have nothing to fall back on. They have no way of defining themselves. For me, freedom is really the right to define yourself. So I suggested in caucus that at the very least, let's put something together where the state of Iowa has our backs, has the backs of our people uh, when the government, the federal government goes too far. And one way we could do that is by giving unemployment benefits to people that don't want to be forced to get the vaccination with you know, with something that's taken over 17,000 lives. Those people have legitimate concerns about risk, 83,000 hospitalizations. So, so their, their concerns are valid. And um, when the government says, you know, get the jab or else you're fired, they have no say and they have no leverage. And that was really troubling. And on top of that, the other challenge is it's not formally law yet. So, so we don't have a path to a court challenge. And I think a lot of what's going on here, Oliver, is, is posturing by the federal government to coerce and intimidate and force people to get vaccinated without making it a law or a regulation so that there is no path to a court challenge. And they've been saying, they've been saying that they're going to do it and they haven't. So 
what can we do for our people in the interim? So there's nothing that has actually been done. That was just like a, an announcement. Yeah. So why are all these businesses jumping on board and, and thinking they need to put these mandates in place if there isn't even really a federal mandate? Oh, I think it's fear. You know, when you're, when you're told you're going to be fined $14,000 for every employee that doesn't get vaccinated, you know, you're scared because that's, that's a lot of money to you. And that hasn't been formalized. So in the interim, when you don't have a path to the Supreme Court, what do you do? Well, right. give your, your, so this is what we did. This is how we defined it. We have these exemptions. And I said in that speech yesterday, and I mean this wholeheartedly, exemptions are not the Constitution. Right. I heard you say that. That was pretty powerful. You said that, you know, the Constitution doesn't need exemptions. It, it doesn't. The constitutional challenge that we can make to these mandates, I think, is rooted in a 10th Amendment challenge that, that this is the state's province to define whether or not there's going to be vaccination mandates. There is a history of vaccination mandates in this country that, that goes back to the smallpox outbreak, which had a 30 times greater, well, more than that, actually, probably a 60 times, a 30% mortality rate. Really, really serious thing. Right, right, right. Not That's a that. point. Zero, zero, whatever percent chance. Four tenths of one percent, no comparison there. But it's pretty rooted in case law that public health and safety are the province of state government constitutionally under the 10th Amendment. So I think President Biden went beyond his, if, if he does formalize it and make it a regulation or a law that it's not going to survive a constitutional challenge. And maybe they know that ahead of time. And that's probably why they haven't done it. What we wanted to do was like, how do we give our people a voice? How do we give, how do we give our people some power here? Well, there's two exemptions in this bill. One of them is a religious exemption. The other one is a wellness exemption. So if a person says, you know, as a matter of conscience, I can't allow this to happen to me, or as a matter of concern about my personal health, I'm not going to allow this. And I think either one of those things is certainly valid. We made them big and broad enough that the employers shall recognize those exemptions or that person qualifies for unemployment benefits. So the thing I like about it is it gives them a say. With a mandate, they don't have a say at all. This gives them a say by defining themselves religiously or their own personal health. And it says, I'm going to assert an exemption here based on my faith, based on my personal health concerns. If you don't want to recognize my exemption, then I get unemployment. Right. And that way they have some leverage. They and I've talked to the civil rights commission as well. <clears throat> Not only do they get unemployment, they can still file a civil rights complaint. If they're denied employment because of a religious exemption or a medical exemption, they can still file a civil rights complaint on top of that. And, and that gives them, at least they'll have their unemployment as they go through that process, mm -hmm. um, which there were, there were a lot of ladies that were um, working in case management in the medical field that were losing their jobs today if they didn't get the, get the vaccination. Has the governor signed it yet? I don't know. Okay. I think she will sign it in fairly short order because she herself has said 
uh, when it does become a federal mandate, it, she is going to challenge it in court. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I spoke, um, against the bill when it, when I first read it, I, I was confused a little bit by some of the language and, you know, we were wanting something a little more comprehensive, but as I listened to representative stone, explain those exemptions as the Democrats, as they grilled him on it, I began to see that the intention was it's nobody's decision, whether or not what your religion is, it's nobody's you know, right now people are going through 10 page questionnaires about their religious exemption and then they're being denied, you know? Um, but according to, uh, I think it was Henry Stone, the Supreme Court has said, it's your personal beliefs in God or whatever it is. It's not your pastors. It's not your, your deacons. It's not your priests. It's not your, the head of your church. It's your personal belief. And that's what he was trying to get at was there's nobody that's going to be saying, you know, we don't believe you. It's your personal belief. And the other thing was the medical exemption. It, it's not a doctor's note. It's not a, doesn't have to come from a medical physician or anything like that. It's your belief that you, you could be harmed by this vaccine. So I was more impressed by that as, as that meeting went on. It gives them a voice. It gives them self-determination. And, you know, ultimately, the, con the, the Constitution is about limiting government and giving people boundaries where they get to define themselves. And so in some measure, um, it's, it's not exactly what we wanted. We have more work to do, obviously. But with the time frame that we had, you know, uh, and wanting to get something done for those thousands of people who are going to be fired and have no fallback position. Right, right. No way to define themselves. So we tried to help those people out. I, I would not want to have to get through the holiday season, you know, as a physician who had just been fired, struggling to find a job. What Maybe. about the folks that have already been fired? As they that's go, a, what's that? No, I, I think that's a valid question. And one of the points that needs to be raised is, does this apply retroactively? Right. That is something that occurred to me on the way home last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have lost their jobs already. And then those same people are looking for work and it could be in a, a condition of employment. How does that work? I don't believe that was addressed. That getting vaccinated is a condition of employment? Yeah. Yeah. That having the vax. I mean, if, if you're firing people because they're not vaccinated, I imagine that you're hiring people that are vaccinated. I mean, if they're discriminating against potential I, I employees. You, <clears throat> yeah. I think if you assert an exemption that's recognized by the law, in which case both of these are, you might be able to get the unemployment. I, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I don't know. Are you scratching your attorney uh, head right now? Well, you know, here's the issue. And I actually said this yesterday. I said, I think we need to call a special session on this because we don't have enough time to consider all the potentialities in play here. Right. This is, like, this is a major policy piece that's going to take three or four days. And I, you know, here's one thing I want people to know. The reason why anything got done, Oliver, is because of groups like Islands for Freedom and ICI different patriots around the state who show up for these rallies islands for informed consent 
You have Medical. to know. Yeah. But the only reason the ball moved yeah. at all yeah. is because you guys showed up. So like to like call this an abject failure when you're going to end up saving thousands of families and giving them a choice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do we want to define success till we get our day in court? Um, exactly. I want people who are listening to to really think about that because it doesn't take a lot to show up. And when we're when we are there speaking and giving you guys a platform to speak to us and to your constituents and and supporting you guys and um you know there were there were hymns sung yesterday. I know you guys could hear them in the chambers. There were a couple other representatives that came up to me and said this makes a difference. You guys make a difference. So if you ever have any doubt about showing up, throw it out the window and just show up. It's important that we're there. Those two rallies, when you have 500 people show up or 1,000 people show up, yeah, say, hey, we want to be heard. I, I think we saw some of the fruits of, of that effort yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, I think so too. Oh, we got to deal with these people. You know, we, we need to come back with something. And I, and I guess this was the something that they could come back with in the short term to try to, to try to give some relief and some say to the people affected by this. I don't think anybody can really, we had a meeting with Jack Witt for, oh, probably a week or so ago and 30 of his constituents. It was scheduled to be an hour and it was two hours. And he sat and listened to each one of these people tell their story of discrimination and how they were losing their jobs. And this is a real person sitting in front of you asking for your help. And I, I, I thought he was moved. It seemed like he was moved unless he's a great actor, but I don't, I think that that more of that needs to happen. People need to tell their stories. People need to meet with their legislators. Stories are powerful Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you hear somebody's story, you get the image in your head to get the image of the reality of what that person went through. And one of the questions you should always ask as a legislator is this one. And this is the one that I ask, what if it was me? Right. If I was on the receiving end of this, would I be happy about this? No. What if, if I'm your daughter? About, yeah. I'm probably a no. When I voted for this, and I'm sure people were disappointed I voted for it, but here's why I voted for it. The reality is thousands of people now have a voice that, that had nothing. And the idea that those people could be summarily fired before we get our court challenge off, that they'd have no voice in how they're going to define themselves. That was the trade-off. I don't, I don't, I think you did the right thing, Jim. I mean, there were people there that were hoping this would get passed quickly enough so they could collect unemployment while they looked for another job, you know, and when you're in a medical field looking for another job in this climate where they're requiring this COVID shot could be difficult and, and it could take a while. So, I mean, you're, you're talking the difference between paying the, paying the bills and, putting food on someone's table. So I, I know a lot of people bash the bill. And I, like I said, when I first read it, I thought, man, this just is not enough. You know, a big company that's, you know, let a hundred employees go, they might not want to pay unemployment on a hundred employees. And that's the leverage, right? Yeah. Because, okay. Two things you miss out on. There's a workforce shortage. Yeah. Mercy's already backtracking. And bringing people back, they fired because 
they can't <laughs> they can't handle it yeah you can't run a hospital without nurses and medical practitioners the med space is you know staff yeah yep they need it they do i don't know if you heard this but during that committee hearing where they passed it on to the house jacobson john jacobson started talking about the Nuremberg code and he started talking about, you know, how the bill could be better. You might know this actually better than me. Wasn't there some conversation that Bobby Kaufman yep. gave? I don't know what Bobby's authority is in that regard, uh, but there was some conversation that amendments would get authentic consideration in that respect. Yeah. And he seemed pretty passionate about it. Is valid. I do. What's that? Oh, the I Nuremberg think Code. I think his his point. You know, and you know, it, it, anytime you say something like that, that's a pretty dramatic thing to say. But you know, when you're one of those people who's lost a relative to that vaccination, it's very real to you, and you wish that your loved one hadn't been pressured into it. Then it's real to you. The thing is, is you have to consider that as a legislator, as though it were your family, as though it was you personally. If you want to do your job well, that's how you have to see it. John's it, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty powerful. He did a great job. And you see all these studies that are coming out. You know, vaccinated people also spread the Delta variant. Year-long study shows, you know, same amount of viral load, same amount of spread. If that's the case, then these mandates and these policies are ridiculous. The vaccine is only for yourself, only to protect yourself from potential symptoms. And I know personally, many people that have had the, the vaccine that then get the virus and can spread the virus. So all these, at what point do we say, this is just ridiculous and we I'm should already, be, you know, you're already there. Yeah, me too. I'm already there. <laughs> yeah. I have trust issues with big pharma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had an experience with a little Kenyan girl who was an AIDS orphan and mm. was being experimented on with vaccinations when she was immunocompromised with AIDS and it was literally killing her. That changed the whole way I saw. Wow. Pharma. Yeah. We're willing to kill an 11 year old AIDS orphan. Oh, yeah. We're not going to get along. I'm going to do what I can to stop you. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, we all have, you know, you hear a lot of anecdotal stories, Oliver, like, so I had COVID, I'm driving around the country with my wife in, in Wisconsin for our 25th anniversary. I had COVID during the trip. Didn't make the trip a whole lot of fun. She's sitting right next to me for a thousand miles. Doesn't get COVID. Right. Her brother comes for a visit. He's been vaccinated. She has COVID the next day or, or two days later. Wow. And so, and you know, you heard that story about there was a Red Sox Yankees game. Did you hear this one? I have not. So there's a Red Sox Yankees game. I'm, I'm a big Red Sox fan. And uh, they had to cancel the game. And the reason why they had to cancel the game was three of the Yankees pitchers who had all been vaccinated all had COVID. They had to cancel the game. Three out of three. That's crazy. Well, like, is the data like? Here's 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 another. You know, you. I guarantee you're going to like what I. Why isn't the government doing some authentic research 
on the, the loss of life, the hospitalizations, you know, this voluntary VAERS database. Can we get some real data on what's going on before you inject something in our bodies? We want well, some and- real data because like your job is to protect us. So can we get some real data? Some Honestly. real data. Don't deter. Yeah, they're deterring their doctors from reporting. Well, that's all part of informed consent. Yeah, exactly. If I I was talking to somebody this morning about about the whole situation, they were of the mind that businesses had some sort of protection under the Constitution, and that governments shouldn't be able to tell them that they could or couldn't mandate the vaccine to people. What are your thoughts on that? They can still fire people. You can still fire them. Right. You're on the hook for the unemployment. Right, right. Um, well, my, my response to that was, okay, so I'd be okay with that if the business was liable for damages, the pharmaceutical companies were liable for damages, We, um, our medical community wasn't being paid to have a you know a covid patient or put somebody on a ventilator or covid death if families weren't being paid to have covid death on a death certificate if you take that all out of the picture then it becomes a free market businesses aren't going to mandate something that could cause harm and cause them millions of dollars of damage so but that's not the situation it's to- there's a total power displacement so the the citizen needs protection because there's a huge power displacement. Well, no, you're, you're right. And when there's liability immunity, you're the one with the power. Right. Exactly. So, I can do whatever I want to you. You can do me. Yeah. COVID vaccination. So none of the responsibility <laughs> of forcing people to do that. Exactly. You know, if you want to, if you want to say free market, okay, well, let's let's go with that, because I I am a free market capitalist. I'm a Milton Friedman guy. Yeah, but me too. You want to tell your employees that they got to work and they got to they got to get the vaccination or they're going to be fired, then you should bear the responsibility because, like, if it's a condition of work, it should almost be treated like a workman's comp injury. What's no, a reasonable accommodation? I didn't see anything like that in the bill. Reasonable accommodation. So say I, I'm going to accept your religious exemption, but you're going to have to wear a mask. You're going to have to test three times a week. I don't like that part. Right. You're going to have to, okay, if if you have the shot and you get COVID, it's paid leave. If you don't have the shot and you get COVID, it's unpaid leave. That I didn't hear. Well, no, I mean, I've heard that from employers. I'm just saying... Um, I noticed that was not addressed, you know, reasonable accommodation. So if someone refuses to get the shot based on their medical or religious exemption. I would say just as a matter of fairness, if you don't want the shot and you get COVID, I don't know that the employer should be on the hook for that. So what if you get the shot and you get COVID? Should the Well, then, then I think they probably should be on the hook. (laughs) I don't know. I, I'd have to, I don't want to give a half cocked response to a question like that because right. it probably goes a little deeper than, than, but people do have temporary disability. Right. In instances where they can't work. I mean, tell you what, it, it, my wife is a tough egg and it knocked her down for three weeks. 
right? We got her on the ivermectin instead of putting her in a hospital. And she got to the other side of it. That was another bill I proposed that's going to be taken up in January. And um, I was going to ask you about that. Well, we have doctors that are being fired or sanctioned by their colleagues in peer review hearings at medical practices for giving ivermectin or hydrochloroquine. It's saving lives and they're being punished for it. Yes. Yeah. And there are, there are pharmacies that are refusing to fill it. Walgreens, my wife's pres- prescription, Oliver. <laughs> Walgreens. Remember that? Walgreens. Walgreens. Yeah. Would not fill my, my wife's prescription for ivermectin. So we're done with Walgreens. I took ivermectin. It worked for me in 30 hours. I think in Delhi, they disseminated it to the population. Their COVID cases went down by 90%. So there's tons and tons of data and studies on ivermectin. I wonder, so what is your bill going to do for doctors that want to prescribe that and want to, uh, I mean, because the medical boards have just been crazy about this stuff. It's going to let them do it. Okay. It's going to say, if you want to prescribe ivermectin or hydrochloroquine, you can without consequence. If you make that call, you can do that. We know it works. You know, to your point, all those studies. I think another one just came out this morning. Was it from uh, Indonesia? Where was it from? Just the number of the number of cases just plummeted when they got people on ivermectin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were studies that show an eighty percent decrease in mortality, and this is being suppressed. Yeah. Why? Why? Good question. That is a good question. It's a valid one. Yeah. I know that the, uh, what, what do they call it? The, uh, the transfusion thing, Oliver, what is that? The um, antibody I, infusion? Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're know talking that about. That works. But some of this other stuff, I mean, I, I have real concerns about anybody who's getting hospitalized for it right now. If they're not given that or, or the ivermectin or the hydrochloroquine, I, I mean, I really, it's a huge concern. You know, it's, they're not treating COVID pneumonia like they treat pneumonia. No. You know, you treat pneumonia, there's a certain protocol and they throw that out the window as soon as there's a PCR test, you know, and they basically, okay, let's incubate you, stick a feeding tube in you and stick you on a respirator. Your survival rate is pretty good. It's scary. I know people I've, that have had to sneak in ivermectin and shakes and zinc and d3 and 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 all the things to help their family members get well into a hospital because they refuse to do any sort of um, real treatment well we've lost two friends to it and they wouldn't give them the ivermectin they probably gave them remdesivir yeah they did and that's been shown i'm not some I do some medical malpractice, but that's been shown to cause renal failure, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, and the WHO has said that it's, it doesn't provide any benefit. But it costs $3,000 per round of it, and ivermectin is practically free. So, and I think I paid 2 or $3. Right. What I got. And Not much benefit to big pharma. I was mowing the lawn inside of two days. Yeah, exactly. I was very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. So, do you think we'll we'll have a special session 
for improvements on this bill, or do you think it'll be January? It'll be I January. Mean, you think it'll be January? It'll be January because now we're going to see the realities of what we just did. And when the realities, the unforeseen realities come in, new questions are raised that can be addressed. The real question that I would like to see answered, though, is get us some better data, please. Why can't the state of Iowa? Let's take our own look at this thing. Right. On, on the efficacy of or the, the effectiveness of the vaccinations. There was a Mayo Clinic study that came out two days ago that said those things are 42% effective. Did you see that one? No, I haven't. 42%. That's not very good. From the 90s. I saw a doctor speaking on it and said that the 95% effectiveness was in attenuating symptoms. It wasn't in transmission. Um, So anybody that's watching or listening, I hope you're getting the gist of the bill. You know, you can file an exemption. They're supposed to accept it. If they don't, um, you should get unemployment, but you can also file a civil rights complaint if it's uh, unreasonable accommodations or you know discrimination or retaliation it can be considered there's a couple things in the civil rights code so always file the civil rights complaint because that's free and there's a window where you can retain your own attorney while that's going on as well so that's the those are the kind of things we need to be doing mm-hmm. so jim you're you are primarying uh grassley mm-hmm. this june right this coming june yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I had the privilege of sitting uh, just a few seats from you when Trump announced his support to Grassley. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Tell me about the disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I, was a saw good it, I saw it on your face. Uh, <laughs> like Trump, you were my boy. Right. Right. <laughs> I stuck my neck out for you for months and months and months, buddy. And Grassley did not. <laughs> Grassley did not. Grassley never missed an opportunity to stab him in the back. Exactly. That's that's why so many of us were shocked. Yeah. No, I I uh I talked about the certification of the election and and I'm a big probabilities guy. When I sometimes you argue a case, you're like, because to me, probability means reality. Probability is another word for reality. So you lose 18 out of 19 bellwethers, you lose Florida, Ohio, and Iowa. You lose 14 house seats. I mean, the list goes on. You probably lost. Yeah, probably. So if you probably lost, can we at least take a look at that? Can we audit the thing? Can we have, you know, because this is the single most important thing we have to do in government is to make sure that we have a representative government, a republic. Uh, We have to make sure that the way people get elected is valid and we have to preserve our republic. Those are two most important duties. Everything else, that's foundational to everything we do. If we don't get that right, none of it works. And we have corruption and we don't have any freedom. So we got to get elections right to address the corruption. And we have to get the Constitution protected and preserved because of it's indispensable to freedom. So we have to get those two things right. So I was disappointed. I got up and I walked out because I was pretty I saw that. about it. And uh, <laughs> saw that. so I'm driving home with my wife in the car 
I look over at her and we're on our way back to Sioux City and I thought, you know what? I got you. <laughs> and my, my wife, my wife is a kind, good person. She's gold. And <laughs> just really, she's a Proverbs 31 lady. I mean, she's sincere and good. She's like my home almost because wherever she is, I feel like I'm home. So I just thought, you know what? You got a, you got a terrific wife. You have good kids. You have the best grandchildren in the world, in my mind. And I just thought, you know what? Politics is my responsibility, but you guys are my identity. Right. Um, then, I, then I had a peace come over me because I, you know, God and my family truly is, is how you see yourself. So I thought about it. And then I thought, you know something? Um, your reasons for running haven't changed one bit. And exactly. I would have loved to have had his endorsement. Still would. President Trump, if you want to change your mind, I'm available. <laughs> I still believe in you. And uh, uh, I, want to see, I want to see him win in 2024. You have to keep going. You have to stick up for your convictions. That's why you do what you do. We, get, we had setbacks. You know, when you stand for something, it's nice to get the wins. It's nice to get the W's, but you have to keep fighting. Yeah, you keep fighting, you know, and you accept each roadblock or speed bump as as a roadblock or speed bump. Did you ask yourself, did you extrapolate what his strategy might have been for doing that? I mean, do you have any ideas or did you just not go there? Well, here's the thing. It's politics. Deals get made. Yeah. I I don't like it. I mean, but I'm sure that there was something of an understanding or deal made Chuck hasn't supported him one iota, not in the election, not as a leader held him accountable for January 6th has said that he has no meaningful place in leadership. I mean, you guys judge for yourselves. I know that blows me away. I was shocked. Well, did you catch his reaction when he got the endorsement? No. Yeah. I'd be a fool not to accept. You know, like, I was, I, what did he say? I was born the single most popular president in your you know, night, but not last night. <laughs> his endorsement and his response was about as tepid as, as you could. He goes, well, you know, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. Right. And uh, you got a 91, 91% approval rating. You know, I, I guess I kind of want your endorsement. That was pretty weak. And the reason why it was weak was in his heart. He was almost uncomfortable accepting President Trump's endorsement. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it isn't aligned. President Trump is not aligned with, with Chuck Grassley, and he never will be. Right. So to get excited about the endorsement of a guy who's not aligned <clears throat> with you, I mean, when you're a moderate and you get the endorsement of a conservative, you're not thrilled. You're not that happy. You know the political realities. You know you need it. But in here... No, no. Yeah, you could tell he wasn't thrilled. No, <laughs> you, really, you really could. You really maybe, could. Maybe he can pull it. You don't need it, though. You know what I mean? You're. No. I I hope that people, the people of Iowa, know how much you fight for their individual freedoms. Well, you hope they do. Yeah. Because I love them. I love them. Yeah. I take that very seriously. 
And I, you know, here's the thing. There's a path here. And I, and, and I don't think I'm naive in believing that because even after this deal, you get in the car, you drive around to talk to people and comes down to three things. They don't think he should have certified that election. They don't think he should have voted for that infrastructure bill. And they also think that it's probably a good time for him to retire. And that's what I hear over and over and over again. So I wasn't happy about President Trump's endorsement of him, but the reality is we can still get a W. We can still come out of this thing on top. We just have to get our message out. Well, and I think you're you're rapidly doing that. So you have our support for sure. Thanks. You have, you have Iowans for Freedom endorsement. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> what more I'm do you need? I'm delighted to have your endorsement. <laughs> for what I, the whole reason I'm doing this. Exactly. And we're in alignment. When you talk about God first and family, God and family is who defines you. I mean, we're brothers on the same path. I mean, that's that's all I answer to is God and my family. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you have, that has to define your reality, doesn't it? It does. And if if we could get more representatives to live by that, you know, if you could some, and, and I know that you're an inspiration. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's there's some challenges, but when you guys stand up and you stand up for freedom, others take notice because that kind of courage and that kind of, those strong values are admirable. Every man wants to be that way. It's just sometimes they don't know how. Well, if you don't have courage, you're not really living out of You're not really living out authentic manhood. Yep. And the key to courage is love. When you love people, you're going to have some, you're going to have some courage in your soul. Cause to your point, influence comes over time. People, people see that you mean what you say long enough. The buy-in is going to grow. What you're doing is growing. We saw that yesterday in the Capitol. Yeah. The momentum is on our side. For sure. People are waking up and they're seeing what's going on. That's why we'll win. Yep. Amen. And we will, it's a battle of endurance, you know, and we've, we've got, uh, we're on the right path and we're fighting for freedom and there's, there's no greater cause. So we'll win. No, there really isn't. Freedom to me, Oliver, is about how human beings are going to be valued. If they don't have freedom, the whole way we value one another is gone. Freedom is indispensable to humanity. Not to, I know we're getting a little short on time here. That's okay. I watched the video yesterday on what's happened in Hong Kong since China took over. Mm. Went from being this beautiful bastion of capitalism. And now these people say we're all afraid to open our mouths. Wow. So they live under that threat of that horrendous tyranny where they know there could be a knock on the door with the Chinese secret police. One of the things we need to wake up to the reality of is as a country, not this is just an aside, but this guy, Xi Jinping, is a lot like somebody we knew in World War II. He has concentration camps. He harvests the organs of his own people. 
and he has his eyes on Taiwan after he just took Hong Kong. Wow. Does that sound familiar? See, we don't need any more Neville Chamberlain politicians. We need Winston Churchill guys with some moxie and some guts and some resolve to stand up. We don't need we don't need any more milk toast weak politicians that that are letting China run the show. That's why when we had President Trump, we had somebody who was sticking up for us. And if we don't, we don't have people like that in the process, they're going to run us over. Exactly. Yep. That's why we need you to represent Iowa. It's our beliefs. Yep. It's what you and I believe. It's not a me, you know, it, 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 it's all of us. When we stand up for each other, we get to keep our freedom. You know, that's why morality is so important. Having the courage to stand up for the people next to you. Yes, for sure. And that's what we're doing. So you are. Yeah. And we appreciate you and we appreciate you fighting for our freedoms every day at the Capitol and and constantly, um, you know, thinking about how everything affects the, the individual Iowan, you know, the Iowan that's working in the hospital or the factory or, the, you know, the janitor or the, the teller, you know, I mean, it's, it's about that's one of the things I admire about you is you're for every Iowan and it's not about big business. It's not about big pharma. It's about each individual Iowan. So yeah, thanks so much, Jim, for joining us. And thank you, Oliver, for all the good information you guys give us. Well, we'll never stop. (laughs) No, you guys give us good information. ICI gives us good information. You guys give us the tools in our toolbox to fight the fight. And when you guys show up to these things, you're empowering us to fight for you. Yeah. So it really is a we thing. I am so grateful for people like you and for the people that were there yesterday. Because it's just shot in the arm. For sure. Yeah. Thanks well, thanks, me. Jim. I, yeah. I know I want to be cognizant of your time. Thanks for everyone that's listening and Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the video, share it. Um, We need to get Jim in front of people. People want to understand what happened yesterday with this bill. This is a good way to do it. Jim was there. He he, uh, was able to hear the debate and and participate, and, and he really understands it. So this has been a great interview, and I hope that you all share it. And we'll see you next time. So thank you, Iowans for Freedom. Thank you, everybody that's watching. Thank you, Jim, so much. Yeah, Thanks have a blessed all. day. Yep. You too, sir. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Freedom Factor, please share it and subscribe to our channel. There has been an attack on freedom of speech, and there is only one narrative that is currently being accepted in the mainstream media. Any information that is in opposition to that narrative is being censored. So it's up to us to share the truth in every way that we can. Alone, we may only be one drop of water, but together we are the ocean.